Father God, thank you for this beautiful spring day that you have made, and we rejoice at the beauty and greatness and majesty of your creation around us, because we know it all points to you, our magnificent King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one who is unchangeable, who is glorious, who is um, righteous and just in all your ways. So, Lord, would you be glorified as... as um, we uh, learn more about you and your character from your word. And would you build us up in our faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit, would you continue to sanctify us according to your son, Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're already on week eight of the doctrine of God. And... Last week, and it always happens, you think you're going to get through two of God's attributes, but because God is so awesome, you know, you, you can't really squeeze them all in. But we may get through two this morning. We'll see. Um, so this morning, I want to first look at this, what we call the simplicity of God, and secondly, the impassibility of God. Now, if those sound all kind of big words, don't worry purpose of this is to make them um, more understandable and um, ultimately to, to understand more of, of God's character. So what do we mean when we talk about the simplicity of God? Any guesses? Maybe the opposite to I suppose complexity. Okay, yeah. good. Okay. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so it's pointing us to something about God's oneness. Okay, he's not a complex being, he's a simple being. Not in terms not in that he's simple, I mean we can also use it to mean not clever. Okay, that's certainly not God. Um, but his unity, his oneness, his undivided nature. So he's not made up of many parts. Uh, con compared to humans, remember, we're still looking at God's incommunicable attributes. So these are, those are the attributes of God which he does not share with us. So we are not simple in our being. We, we are made up of, of many parts. Okay, we are complex beings. Actually, we've got a body and a spirit or a body and a soul, whatever term you want to use. We've got... Emotions, we've got thoughts and wills which can be in opposition to one another. Yeah, that's the, the, the nature of the human sinful condition is that we can be in turmoil in ourselves and have all sorts of contradictions as people. And that's just the nature of our fallen state as human beings. We, we, in a large part, we broken people because of what sin has done to us and you know, our own willing sin has, has done to ourselves. Thankfully, this is not so with God. Okay? God is simple in his being in that he is, well, numerically one, Okay, so let's just get that out of the way. We, we don't believe in three gods. 
You know, we, we'll just spend a whole, probably spend a couple of sessions on the Trinity you know, in the coming weeks. So the, the biblical understanding, the orthodox understanding of the Trinity is not we worship three gods. Okay, that's a, a Muslim characterization of Christianity. It's what a, other cults and some other religions think we worship. Even the Jews think we worship three gods. Okay, we, we certainly don't. We worship one God who exists eternally in three persons. Um, God is morning, guys. Welcome. We've just got going on the simplicity of God. Come, Natalie, Ryan, Phil, good to see you all. Um, so God is numerically one. He's unified and he's therefore unique. He's the one true God. So let's just look at some scriptures which... Um, teach this because we must understand our doctrine, all our doctrine has to be derived from the word of God itself. Uh, 1 Kings 8.60, that all peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God. There is no other. Okay, so we don't worship many gods. We don't worship, um, uh, we're not polytheists. Okay, we worship one God. Okay, Deuteronomy 6.4, okay, what the Jews call the Shema, the, the creed of Judaism, which is in uh, this text, Hear Israel, Shema Israel, they would say in Hebrew. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And we wholeheartedly affirm that as well because it's in the word of God. 1 Corinthians 8.6, yet for us there's one God. The Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we exist. And then lastly, 1 Timothy 2, 5, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So all these texts are hammering this central truth that is throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, that God is one, or in theological terms, that the simplicity of God. So what this means, some implications of, of this, is that we can't divide God into different parts. Okay, so this is where, I think, misunderstandings of the Trinity all um, fall apart. Okay, the, the persons of the Trinity are not different parts of the divine. Okay, there's not a, a third of the divine is Jesus, a third is the Father, a third is the Holy Spirit. No. Okay, pretty in any time you hear anybody explain the Trinity in terms using an analogy. Don't believe them <laughs> because you can't describe the mystery of the Trinity in an analogy, whether it's a three-leaf clover or ice, water, and steam. They all, all those analogies get you to some heresy of one kind or another. Okay? They all are showing that God, most of the time that God is in these different parts. Yeah, that, that's not true. Yeah, all three persons of the Trinity are of the same divine substance or essence. 
Yeah, that's why we, we looked at this last week in Philippians 2, when we were looking at Christ. Um, and we looked at the Nicene Creed, part of the Nicene Creed, which, which says he is God from God, light from light, true, true God from true God, um, of the same substance or the same essence as the Father, begotten, not made, etc., etc., so it, that's why we confess one God who is simple, okay, one God who exists eternally in three persons. And the reason why we don't have an analogy for the Trinity is simply because it's, it's, it's mystery. <laughs> you can't rationally explain one being, one God who exists in three persons. It's in a in its nature is mysterious and we just need to receive this mystery as a part of God's revelation to us in his word. That is, there is one God, as we've seen all the scriptures tell us, and each of those, and he is, exists eternally in those three persons and they all equally God, all of the same divine essence. It is what it is, guys. <laughs> So any any questions here? Hmm. <laughs> Thing is, if, if we were able to nail it down, well then, frankly, God would be God. There's a beauty to this mystery. Yes, there's certain things that he's clearly revealed to us. There's a lot that he's revealed to us, and we thank God for that. But there's a whole lot of stuff that, you know what? <laughs> God is God. <laughs> Let's just worship Him. <laughs> Maybe just uh, one thing, but not for now. Mm. Uh, I, I'm sure you can come to it at some point in the future. But the Bible says that we're made in the image of God. Mm. I mean, obviously, we don't have these um, attributes. Far from it. Yeah. So it must mean something else. Okay, great question, Patrick. Certainly these set of attributes that we're looking at now, the incommunicable attributes, we, we don't share. But the attributes we're going to be looking at in the weeks to come, we call the, the communicable attributes. Well, in some sense, we do share. Not on uh, like from like from God. Okay, for example, some of the, the communicable attributes uh, that God is love. Okay, we are, have the capacity to love. Because we create in God's image. Because he is love. But our love is not identical to the love of God. So there's a qualitative difference between our love and God's love. Nevertheless, that love, the capacity to love in us is from God. Because we created in his image. So we certainly image bearers. We share a lot with, with God. But there's a whole lot of that we don't share simply because we creation and he's the creator. And there is a, we're not of the same substance. Okay, that's the clear difference. The persons of the Trinity of the same divine substance, we are not of divine substance. We are created completely as humans. We have a, we, we have a beginning. We were created. We weren't begotten like Jesus. We're not many Jesuses. Jesus is Jesus. We are humans. Yet we share some connection, some, some uh, yeah, we image bearers. So we're not just 
the same as animals. I think that's the other thing, which we will look at more of this in detail when we get to look at creation. Okay, 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 okay. Yes, you um going. Um well there's been debate on, on this in in church history. The the um should we say um the more orthodox guys have come out on uh that we are made up of two parts body and soul or spirit because in the bible um soul and spirit are used interchangeably for both the old testament and, and new testament even body is when, a, when a, the greek refers to the physical body sometimes it's used the word is used soul so what it's saying is that the there's not an nice and neat division between say mind body and spirit or body soul and spirit i know there's the one verse in one thessalonians which talks about loving god your whole body and soul and spirit but there the intention with verses like that it's like the intention with jesus's um jesus said in, in the gospels that love the lord your god with your whole mind body strength he's not saying that we can divide the human person into nice, neat little categories. Saying, love God with all of yourself, your whole being. So what we see the scripture primarily dividing us into two categories. That of having a physical body that we can see and touch. And the non-material part of us, whether you call it a soul or a spirit. So, and the significance of this is important. It's not just sort of a secondary doctrine. Because when we die, okay, our bodies are going to get eaten up by worms in the grave. Or they're going to get consumed by fire if you do crem cremation, which I hope you don't. Um, <laughs> and then um, our souls... Okay, are going to go, if we're in Christ, we're going to go directly to the presence of the Lord. Okay, it's not so it's there's not a, a spirit part of us that's going to get left behind or a soul all our non-material part of us is going straight to be in the presence of the lord like jesus said to the thief on the cross today you'll be with me in paradise when christ returns okay then if I, a miracle of his power okay, he's going to raise the dead and so our decomposed bodies by some miracle be reconstituted as a new resurrection body just like jesus's new resurrection body which would be physical you can touch it you can eat things like jesus had a fish fry after the resurrection okay he touched people his disciples touched him okay we will in the new creation we will have a real body that you can see and touch it will be reunited with our soul or spirits um so it's just to say that we there 
the belief, the tendency to divide soul and spirit is a Gnostic tendency, uh, which can have problems with how you see, um, you know, uh, things in the new creation. Um, that the the heart of our being is not purely immaterial. Okay, that, 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 the, the Gnostics would say that it is, that our, the, our spirit is the main thing, and we trapped in this, this physical body, which is, we need to be released from that on death. The, the holy side of us is this spirit, and that's, yeah, that's the, the main thing. Um, and there's something intrinsically fleshly or evil. It is, it is flesh, but the, the, the body is intrinsically fallen while the spirit is, is not. Now, I would say no, that's a faulty understanding of, of our beings. The sin has touched every part of our body, our being, including the immaterial part. Yeah, that's why Jesus says, like, Sin, it's not, we don't be unclean by what the type of food we eat. It, the sin emanates from the heart. Okay, so our whole beings have been touched by, by sin, including our bodies. Um, but, our body just, but our bodies are not something less than our soul or spirit. Because we're going to live in the new creation in a physical, real existence with a new glorified body. We're not going to be released from it. It's not like a trap. And you see, that's the problem with cremation, is that is what it historically communicates in pagan religions, like Hinduism, who are Gnostic in their philosophy, that the, this body is just a trap. We must be released from it. That's precisely why they burn the body. It's symbolism that the, now at death, the body is annihilated and that spirit is now released to become a part of the, the divine. Um, we don't believe that. <laughs> okay, that's why Christians have historically treated the, the corpse with respect by burying or put them in, in, in tombs because it, we, the symbolic thing of anticipating the resurrection, that we don't believe this should be just ch- chucked in, in the trash. We believe that God's going <laughs> to raise it up. <laughs> To glory, just like Jesus was raised up with glory. So this matters, how view of ourselves in, in, um, in all this. Um, sorry, Lord, I think I went a bit on a tangent there. Did that, uh, <laughs> do you agree, disagree? <laughs> More questions? Yeah, Hebrews 4. It's why I mean soul and spirit. Soul. Soul and spirit. And yeah. so if the word says there's a difference between soul and spirit, there should be a difference between soul and spirit. Yeah. I, I think that's, that language is, is used... It, it, it's The point of that language is to show how sharp the word is. I don't think it's trying to make a point about divisions between sort of our, our various inner parts. Um, I could be wrong, but I, I mean, I think the, the, the thrust of that is, is saying, you know, it's sharper than the, the word of God is a two-edged sword going between 
solid spirit, joints and marrow, etc., etc., to make the point that God's word is living and active. Um, I think you also got to look at then that verse in the light of the rest of the scriptures and see that there is the, 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 the words like soul and spirit and body and mind are often used interchangeably, and it's even it's more apparent, especially when you you, you can see it in, in the original languages. Um, yeah, the, 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 especially the Hebrew worldview sees a fundamental unity of the human person. I think that's also important to say. Not saying they didn't acknowledge that we have a soul, but it, it, it's, it's more pagan philosophy influenced by Gnosticism that will want to divide up the human person into these compartments. And that's not... Yeah, we don't really see that in, 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 in the whole scope of the Bible. But we can chat more. Chat more about this. Okay, let's, let's finish off. Yeah, we are not going to get to impassibility today. That is for sure. Okay, okay so um, God's the implication of God's simplicity is that God's attributes are identical to his essence meaning that there's harmony and unity to his attributes. So, for example, his moral attributes, his justice and his mercy. Now, some people say, oh, no, these things are contradictory. Okay, God demands justice and that he demands that all sinners be punished. The wages of sin is death. That's the justice of God. A price needs to be paid for sin. And then I say, oh, but mercy and you know, God forgiving sinners and God's grace. You know, these things are contradictory. There's a, God is set in opposition to each other himself in his being. And it's absolutely not. <laughs> okay, God is just and he is merciful at the same time. Amen. <laughs> um, because he's simple in his being, these different aspects of his character don't contradict each other. It's the same thing with setting in opposition the, God's love and God's wrath. Okay, these things are, are, not, are not contradictory to one another. On the, you could actually say that he's, he, he's wrathful because he is loving. But that's a whole different, you know, we'd have to, yeah, I don't have time to unpack that. But he's, in his essence, he is, he is love. Wrath is, is, is something that comes from his judgment. These things are we're not to see them in, in opposition. Morning, Janneke. Hello, Mel. <laughs> so he's simultaneously both because he's one being of one divine essence. And so just to conclude here, is how this helps us in our understanding of God is that the simplicity of God guards us from cutting and pasting various attributes of God, which we, we are not comfortable with, which we, we don't like, and keeping the ones which we, we do like. Okay, a strong tendency of people to say, oh, no, yeah, we love, you know, God is love and he's mercy and he, he's full of grace, but all that stuff about God's judgment and wrath, I can't stomach so. And, and then you see some people trying to set in opposition 
the supposedly a God of the Old Testament to a God of the New Testament. And the New Testament, he's all lovey-dovey and graceful. And the Old Testament, he's a big, bad ogre who just wants to zap everyone. Okay? It's, it, well, if you read your Bible, you know that's not true, first of all. But you, we can, because God is simple, we can find there's a unity in all these seemingly diverse and contradictory attributes, which they are not. Let's be clear. Yeah, um, they, um, he, he, he is one, and you can't separate all these things. And so we, we've got to worship him for who he is. I think that's the, the long and short of this. Not just aspects of him which we find comfortable. And that's why it's, it's a good idea to, when you read your Bible um, in your devotional time, to go through a, a plan. And not just stick to a particular book which you enjoy um, or just open summer and <laughs> um, go through a plan, try and, you know, best case scenario, yeah, do a Bible reading plan that goes through the Bible in a year or a year and a half, whatever. Um, because there you're going to get the whole counsel of God. And when you read the whole counsel of God, all the scripture, you're going to see the beauty of God in all his majesty and all his different attributes. And you're not going to just go down the path of the verses that you, have, you feel comfortable with of how God has revealed himself. He is majestic and glorious and far above anything we can perceive or imagine. And don't domesticate him. I think that's the, the heart of... A reason why we are looking at all these attributes of God. Let God be God. Worship him for who he is. Not just the aspects of him which we find palatable. Any last questions? All right, let's pray. Father God, indeed you are high and mighty and glorious and holy and righteous and good and and full of of steadfast love and lord we we thank you that we can worship you as as you have revealed to us and primarily through your son jesus christ who is the image of the invisible god so lord as we prepare our hearts for the worship service we pray that you would continue to be with us by the power of your spirit you would we anticipate come eagerly in anticipation to hear you speak to us through your word and by your spirit and all that you would continue to grow us and bless us as your church here in waterfall we pray this in jesus name amen